Jane. Hi, you're right. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, yeah, very good. Nice to talk to you. Sorry about that little mishap there, but we got there in the end. No worries, no worries. <laughs> what happens when technology starts getting involved? <laughs> I thought I had it all sorted and then and then it looked like I hadn't downloaded and so yeah I just had to quickly say to my IT IT chat Alan help me well thank you for coming on to the show um for our listeners uh this is Jane Lambert uh director of ECG um and one of the kick-ass ladies I can say in our profession oh thank you yeah work that you do absolutely love it so I'm completely excited that you're on the show um just so we can get to uh hear a bit more about yourself um so uh, before i start uh, asking questions i always just do like a general um fireman questions uh just so we get to understand who you are as a person um and it just strips away all the titles and things like that and just to get to know you as you um so just to ease you in what's your favorite number oh five five why five i don't know ever since being a child it's always been five i've got no logical reason but it's stayed with me throughout my life okay <laughs> do you prefer hot or cold hot hot so you're you're enjoying this weather then oh i am i am and and every time i consider moaning about it i stop myself in my track <laughs> <laughs> i'm dying <laughs> normally I would be absolutely loving it I was always like cold-blooded and I'm like living in hoodies and layers and layers and just a bit of sunshine but after the baby no chance (laughs) just like no way (laughs) all too much all too much no it it, it, It is far too much yeah it's lovely a little bit too much but um but yeah enjoying it would rather be this Mm, yeah, we had a bit of rain last night, which was a bit good. A bit good. A bit good. <laughs> yeah, the grass is dying too. It's changed the colour of the country driving around. It's all yellow. Yeah. Um, do you prefer listening or reading? Oh, listening. Listening. Okay, so podcasts would be great ventures for you. Well, absolutely. I haven't done a podcast before, so um, you, you may well have just introduced me to something new. It's uh, very, very popular. Um, they've done studies on it to show that, you know what, with our busy lifestyles, um, we actually listen to more on the way to and from work. Yeah, I get that. Um, and um, instead of watching videos like what is has changed the algorithm in like LinkedIn and, and Instagram, it, videos are very popular uh, now, which what would is what would make your feed a bit higher if you were ever promoting on 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 those social media platforms. But they've shown that uh, podcasting is is a very popular way as well. Um, so I think it's here to stay for a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Learn all about it. Are you a horror girl or a comedy girl? Oh, comedy every time. Oh, comedy. comedy. What's your favourite comedy? I love to laugh. I love to laugh. What's your, <laughs> what's your favourite comedy? 
Um, probably not portrayed as a comedy, but Friends comes straight to mind in something that always always makes me laugh, even after all these years. Yeah, love a bit of Friends I and Joey no share food. <laughs> Joey no share food. Yeah, feel good factor always always puts a smile on my face. So yes. Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes it's needed. It helps. It helps de-stress. It's a bit of escape. Very much does help to de-stress. Yes, so, definitely, definitely. But I do love my horror as well. I do love a bit of horror. Look out for something a bit different. <laughs> Pardon? I'm little curdy cat. No, I'm like they're still eating. I'm still eating my popcorn. Everyone's just looking at me like, "How are you eating at this point?" I'm like, I'm just waiting for something interesting to happen. This isn't just not gauging my interest at all. <laughs> No, 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 no holds for me. I scare myself too easily. I, I still get scared of the Triffids. When I used to watch the Triffids when I was younger. <laughs> oh, bless. <laughs> so, no. Do you prefer seaside or countryside? Oh, seaside. Both, but seaside because seaside. I, I just love the water. Love the water. Love we the don't water. get much of it around no, here. Yeah, no, yeah. No, but um, yeah, love the water. Nice and relaxing. Very therapeutic. And what's your favourite cheat meal? Cheat meal. Cheat meal. Oh, treat me. So like, with, <laughs> tre- yeah, cheat or treat? <laughs> cheat or treat? <laughs> uh, uh, well, I would have to say cheesy chips. Cheesy chips. Do you know what? I, I just don't even want to try that combination. I see oh, people no, eat it. Really, and I'm like, mm, no. really need to try it. So chips, a bowl of big bowl of chips with melted cheese on top. You have to try it. You will absolutely love it. With um, a, a side dip of mayonnaise to dunk it in. Oh, it's amazing. I'm not even a chip girl. Aren't you? Like probably two, three chips and I'm done. <laughs> Like, <laughs> someone gives me a bag of chips I'm like it's not going to get finished just like two three chips oh, and that's it I wish I could yeah. thank you but I'm afraid I just have to eat them all <laughs> <laughs> and what was the last book that you read oh my goodness um, I can't remember what it was called but it was about adoption because I've adopted my children so I do quite a lot of reading around adoption oh wow yes so just um, just just reminding myself as they're going through the different ages of the different, um, the normal kind of behaviours and also the, the additional challenges and what they might be thinking. Yes. That's a bit Yes. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. That's something I didn't know about you. Yeah. Um, how, how many kids have you adopted? Three. Three daughters. Three. Oh, lovely. Mother-daughter times. Yeah. Must be quite. <laughs> a very pink house. A very pink house. <laughs> I've got pink house and I haven't even got boys in it. I haven't even got a girl in it. <laughs> Her husband likes to rock pink. Oh, nice one. Well, that's why. It knows which side is. <laughs> his bread's butter. <laughs> I think he owns more pink items than I do. I like, I like seeing that in pink. I think it's nice. <laughs> he can rock it, definitely. And I picked up my son from nursery once and he was wearing pink leggings. And I was like, what is going on here? Because so, it's what you look like if you were a girl. <laughs> he had an accident. He had an accident. <laughs> and I was like, oh, don't you look cute with pink uh-huh. leggings and white hearts on him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, so that that gives me uh, from those questions, it just gives me uh, give gives us and the listeners an idea as to uh, what you are about and what you like to do in your spare times and things like that. So, um, for the for our listeners, could you just briefly talk about your journey um, and how you've come to where where you are today? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, really, it started as a in my childhood. So it sounds like a bit of a tragedy story, and, and it kind of is, but it's, it, it led to something very positive. So when I was twelve, I um, I was at a family party, and I, I mm-hmm. felt like I forced my grandmother to stand up and dance with me because it was a song I absolutely loved. Um, sadly, she got up and she started dancing, and she collapsed and had a cardiac arrest. So, oh, bless. Um, so I had to watch my dad and my grandfather try and resuscitate her, which sadly didn't work, and she passed away. Um, and oh, and um, which obviously was all, all very sad. And 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 that young age, I kind of blame myself probably for a little bit, thinking if I hadn't got up, got her to get up and dance, and you know, which obviously I now know wasn't the case. Um, but it, yeah. on a positive side it made me so passionate about wanting to help people look after people so I kind of ended up in this I just know I'm going to be a nurse so it was never a Uh choice it was just I just knew that that was my direction a bit of a calling it's a bit of a cliche isn't it but actually it, it did feel like that um so so trained as a nurse qualified in 1990 as a nurse um worked in emergency medicine and then and then the whole resuscitation thing sort of came back to hit me so um in emergency medicine you obviously see a lot of cardiac arrests and and again I kept I felt really passionate about seeing people that I felt weren't necessarily doing it well enough or properly. And again, that passion about giving people the the chance of surviving. So I ended up specialising into resuscitation and my job in the NHS Mm. in 96 moved on to setting up the resuscitation training department at Milton Keynes Hospital. Uh So that was for training the nurses, doctors, buying defibs, going to cardiac arrest, etc. Um, absolutely loved it. It was great to be able to you know, improve improved um, survival rates after cardiac arrest. So, you know, you don't get much more job satisfaction than looking at potentially having influenced saving people's lives. To save someone's life, yeah, yeah definitely. Exactly. So, you know, it really is a yeah, very intense kind of passion. Um, anyway, then... Um, then really in 2002, decided that actually I loved doing that, but there was a real gap within primary care on um, quality of resuscitation training. People were just doing their own ad hoc thing. There were no, um, the people weren't um, employed in, the pri- in primary care to do that. So I thought, actually, yeah. I also had a bit of a business head on thinking, I always knew I wanted to run my own business, but I never knew what it was going to be. So uh-huh. those two things kind of came together and I thought, oh, I could run my own business delivering resuscitation training in primary care, which is what I did do. And um, so I set up ECG in 2002, initially to do resuscitation training. Um, and very quickly, my clients started asking, you know, do you do the other mandatory subjects like moving and handling, infection control, things like that, which I, I didn't. It wasn't my area of expertise but decided that from a business point of view, I needed to find people who did have that passion in those areas and, and get them to sort of set up the service with me. So started to expand the portfolio really in the NHS and, and we still do a lot of work in the NHS. Um, and then it must have been about 12 years ago, came across you wonderful guys in community pharmacy. And um, <laughs> we were asked by... Um, GSK actually to pull together a vaccine training course um, initially for Boots and for Lloyd's in the very early uh-huh. days 
of pharmacists given any vaccines at all. Um, so we pulled those together and did some trials with Boots and Lloyds, which was which was amazing. Um, and actually just really, again, satisfying, because unlike resuscitation, where well, you've got the people in front of you, a lot of people often say to you, yeah, I do this every year, but I've never had to do it. When we yeah. started teaching pharmacists, you know that you're teaching them, and seven months later, they are going to go out and use these skills. Um, yes. Which, 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 again, is a whole different level of satisfaction, but 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 fantastic, and and a really a really good kind of correlation between, I guess, nurse skills, sort of moving across to pharmacist skills, um, and so really since then, the the, the business has developed. Um, we still work strongly with the NHS and private healthcare professionals. Um, we do a lot of clinical skills training, um, and and you know, as you know, we do an mm. awful lot in the pharmacy world. Um, initially it was just vaccination training but we're expanding into other clinical skills really just I love being a nurse in a pharmacist world at the moment mm-hmm. it's it's the work that we do with nurses a lot of it is upskilling but a lot of it is more compliance whereas the community yes. really excites me because I just see community pharmacists having such a huge opportunity I know it's challenging as well at the moment um, but just a huge opportunity of proving themselves on, on what they can offer in terms of healthcare. So, so my passion over the years has sort of changed. I'm still very passionate. My, my kind of baby is resuscitation. Um, but I just love, I just love healthcare and, and influencing healthcare and being able to make it better. And I guess I still see myself as a nurse before a businesswoman. I guess. Um, so ultimately, yeah. all the decisions I make and, and that we make as a business the end goal and my end focus is always the patient um so yeah so I still get my I guess my personal satisfaction out of feeling from my from a nursing point of view that I'm still having that direct influence indirect influence on patients yeah I mean but yeah that's that's like where you where the passion grows from and 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 seeing people learn through the classes the culture because I've, I've attended uh, several of, of your courses and uh, and I'm, I, I love it I'm, I'm, I'm just like yeah I, I feel I feel amazing yeah. <laughs> I can inject what it's lovely yeah. <laughs> <laughs> taught me through how to do resuscitation with a baby again yeah. <laughs> before I was having it but I was like how do I do that again Let, let's just recap <laughs> yeah. and you're quite right it's what's great about the life skills is that actually yes we're teaching these healthcare professionals because of their jobs but actually so many yes. you know sadly using using those skills outside of work but it, it really is a life skill it is you can't put a price on someone's life no absolutely. and this is something you know like resuscitation it should be taught everywhere and have like you know like especially with pharmacists we have to have a refresher course every two years if you've vaccinated um um more than 50 uh, 50 vaccinations that year otherwise you have to do it every year just to keep it fresh absolutely. um pardon yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, it's, and it's interesting. So when we see pharmacists sort of year in, year out or alternate years in their refreshers, we're amazed at, you know, the number of people that have used those skills, not ever actually so far to do with a vaccination clinic, but actually because someone walked into the pharmacy with chest pain or, or you know, or, or somebody out on the street and, you know, they see the pharmacy. So it's, it's that medical link, isn't it? So yeah, definitely you know and that's just in that's just in, in the working environment like you say apart from um in in personal life as well but i think um 
Yeah, it's not something. It's not something that is specifically taught at university. It's not directly linked to pharmacy. No. Uh, we look more in terms of like how the drugs work within the body, interactions, and when to intervene, and vice versa. And yeah, like you said, you can be in these situations where someone just drops in your store. And you have to assess them and you're waiting on an ambulance or vice versa. And it's just like you can't just sit there and do nothing. We decided to be healthcare professionals for a reason. So it's putting ideas into practice and, and remembering the training and, and, and applying it in, in order to help someone's life, essentially. And I remember being a manager in my first year and I just kept thinking, is it just me? Am I attracting it? Because within the first six months, something would always happen on my night shift. Always. <laughs> always. I dreaded the night shift because something would just happen every time. I think like, I, I think you could be right there because, again, when I was working in the hospital, I was the same. It would always be, oh, Jane's on. Something's going to happen. But, but again, Something's going to happen. And I was just like, hold on, has this ever happened here before? And it was a 100-hour store. And they were like, no, no. <laughs> I was like, seriously, <laughs> but the 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 thing about it was like you've got someone that's dropped in your pharmacy. You, as a pharmacist in a healthcare profession, you go over and you that's your priority. Absolutely. But customers' priorities were where's my medication going to be ready? Yeah, Hello. Hello, I'm waiting. I'm like, Hello. <laughs> I'm saving someone here. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Oh, it <laughs> it does make me laugh now. I know. Well, I, I was uh, amazed when when we first started teaching um a vaccine training to pharmacists. I was, you know, we'd always when we get to the CPR bit say, you know, okay, well, when did you last practice? And I was amazed that you you guys did it in you know when you were training. But pharmacists were saying we haven't done this for years. We don't have to, do, you know, we do you do now as part of other, obviously other roles and vaccinations. Yeah. But I was amazed yeah. back in the day, kind of twelve odd years ago. You'd do it at university, and then then you wouldn't need to do it do any kind of level of first aid again. No, it's done as part of pre reg, and that's it. Yeah, because you're because you're in, in a you know community pharmacy, it, you know patients, you know, or general public. It's not a medical centre. Your natural thing is I'm going to go see the pharmacist, which is quite right. <laughs> you you want yeah. to be prepared for that as a pharmacist, don't you? Yeah, which is why I was like, your 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 training courses definitely fills a gap that is 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 not being provided in any way or form other than in pre-reg and in pre-reg it's all about passing your exam yep. at the end of the day. So yeah. the, the resuscitation yeah. part of it is just part of a yeah. a competency tick tick list. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, focus is fully just on the exam, finishing that final exam before we qualify. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, I probably did learn as a pre-reg didn't stay with me until until I did an ECG training course like, oh yeah I did do that <laughs> and, it, and it was really nice again just really good feedback for us so last year obviously we, last year we trained about twelve and a half thousand pharmacists face to face and it was so nice because um we had a chap that attended one of our courses and literally two days after our, our vaccine course which obviously we updated the CPR he um he yeah. called to an incident outside his pharmacy where he ended up providing CPR and um so he, he which is amazing and then we saved the patient's life um 
yeah. the patient I think a couple of days later you know released from hospital came back and you know said thank you but his feedback to us was all I kept remembering is Steve one of our trainers that obviously taught him saying just don't stop just keep going and, and it was really lovely to say you know him sort of saying it was just the trainer's head in my voice reminding me what I needed to do I mean that's just yeah absolutely fabulous feedback it's 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 with any skill set they say if you don't use it you lose it yeah and hopefully you won't be using resuscitation skills very often no but it's a case of we have that refresher course like if it's either within a year or within two years we're still keeping it fresh in our minds but if it's just that once in our pre-reg year it's skill that's not being used so it's just naturally just going to get deleted from my brain yeah but keeping it keeping it afresh keeps it you know quite high up and especially when dealing with patients and you're dealing with vaccinations it's like okay in my room have I got enough space and assessing the room and stuff like that and assessing the patient uh, definitely helps uh, keep those ABC symptoms <laughs> well, uh, quite, quite on the top. You're quite right. You can't afford to become complacent and just think it's never going to happen to me. And you, hopefully it will never happen to you. But um, but you, it's all about just being prepared, isn't it? Like you say, and, and hoping it will never happen. Definitely. But having the confidence that you know what to do if it does happen. It is all about confidence because when we first started doing vaccinations, you'd have customers ask you, how, how many vaccinations have you done? And I quite re- literally confidently have to say, oh, I've done loads, I've done loads. And that was literally my first one. And then what, what kept me going was everyone was just, oh, I didn't feel that. I didn't feel that. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm the secret ninja with vaccine. <laughs> Don't be there. <laughs> and I remember again, you know, like now we very rarely, you know, there are still obviously like, you know, the pre-regers and people that haven't done it before, but so many of our, you know, our clients that we teach obviously have done it year in, year out. And, and it's so lovely to see to see that experience and that confidence, especially moving on from now, just vaccinating adults to, to um, children. And then this year we've had some requests for infants. So, you know, and that's because over the years, the confidence has grown. You can do it. You're doing it well. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah. And, and it's also the confidence in, in the customer. They're become, becoming much more confident and it's now much more the norm, isn't it? To go into a community yeah. for a vaccine. Well, 12 years ago, it was probably quite a scary thought for them, but they're, they're used to that as, as much more the norm now. Yeah, it's just like when we introduce any form of services, it's like, what is this? What is this? And it's taken a couple of years for them to bring it on board, but as as well as with the surgeries to take it on board as well. And everything's evolving. So we've all got to move move with it. Yeah, absolutely. Meet the customer's needs, whatever. Whatever, whatever sort of pressures that we're facing with. We've got an ever-growing population. We've got surgeries that are struggling with um, meeting patients' needs and having restriction and time appointments. And we've got ever-increasing workload pressures, but we've still got to increase services to make a bit of money. And we've still got to make time. Yeah. It's just one of those things. Learn how to multitask. Yeah, just, just yeah definitely. <laughs> what uh, <laughs> what challenges have you faced um from setting up your company oh gosh i think to be honest the, the biggest challenge a few years ago was actually um which again i'm never complacent about but was actually meeting demand of the customers so, so actually keeping up with the volume so i, I think you know we, we kind of fell by vaccine training through the introduction okay um, but but it just took off so rapidly volumes so i think it was it was literally making sure that we could 
train that many people. Now we've got a very good model in place. We're confident. Whatever, however many families you want to throw at us, we can deal with it. So we say, yes, of course we can do it. But I think in the early days, that was a struggle to make sure that we met people's needs, but also, that, you know, in a good quality way, in a reliable way, um, you know, because the impact of obviously having, say, I don't know, 10, 20 pharmacists attending a course and potentially cancelling it at the last minute or whatever, financial, you know, um, consequences apart from anything else for the customers so I think it was kind of keeping up that demand but I would say that 16 years later now we are professionals at that we know how to handle that and, it, and we often say it's like um, nailing jelly to the wall yeah but but what the customer sees you know which we hear time and time again is a, a good a reliable service you know and and we carefully select our instructors because i think this is another passion of mine is that when i was a nurse i had to attend so many different mandatory training sessions that quite frankly were dull and boring and, mm-hmm. and i often say you know i used to go and do my fire training which was just really boring fireman would come and do the same thing every year I would go into the back of a class sign my name in the register and go again which is awful thing to admit because it was just boring and so everyone we take on here you know we want to take them on because they've got the right qualifications and experience but we also want to take them on because they've got the right energy and the right the right passion because that comes through in the training courses and, and I want all of our customers to sit even though they're doing this every year every other year I want them to learn something new I want them to feel like it's a use of their time to be there uh-huh. so so it's just it's just thinking kind of above and beyond really thinking about the customer experience and just making that happen um and people don't see what goes on behind the scenes when we're in in the office going oh my god <laughs> we don't worry about that. i've seen photos with your with your team meetings and there's quite a lot of you <laughs> i know exactly exactly so um yeah we, we've grown quite far. and again so yeah i mean there's 14 of us here um and and we and part you know big part of that is a clinical team but we are all here obviously behind the scenes in, in making it all happen writing the material doing all the reviewing getting trainers kit everywhere so so it's quite a military operation logistically but like i say we, we have this sussed now <laughs> the one, yeah we have, yeah we have this and first. Definitely. And have you thought, like, we hear about glass ceiling effects and and the effects that uh, the pressures that women are faced under. Do do you feel at any point as a woman that this journey has been made harder for you or were there any harder points during your journey because you were a woman and you're trying to establish your company? Has anything like that ever affected you? Yeah, from a business point of view, I would say not. No, not from a business point of view. I guess on a personal level, because um, because when I adopted my children when I was by myself, um, so being a single mum trying to make this happen, I I think it's very difficult with kind of split loyalties and commitments so I, I think I, I often say I'd love to live two lives one where I could just be a mum and, and commit yes. to being a mum and one where I could just be a businesswoman and I could be held back by nothing and just just make my wishes come true here do you know what I mean so so I think on a yeah. personal level having that split and now I'm with a, a wonderful man but ultimately it, it you know the, the kind of commitment to the girls falls to me so it's just that's the hard thing but I guess that sometimes also makes me more determined to try try my best to be all things to all people you can't always do that and you're the one that often ends up losing out so I think it's for me it's about making sure I can give what I can to the business I can give what I can to my family but I also now work only work four days a week so I have one day off a week which is Jane Lambert day <laughs> and that's, and that's, <laughs> 
and that keeps me going. So I make no appointments. I, I, I don't have any plans. Um, it's literally it's so important for me to be able to give back to work and family and you know so it's but in, in a work environment I, actually I've been probably quite lucky but then I guess I've been through a nursing career which is more female led I guess true um true. yeah so so I guess I guess my background has been much more in the sort of female world but um but, but no no um, I have to say, like I say, just just because of, of everything else you do, you, you just juggle twice as hard, don't you? <laughs> Definitely. And, and what advice would you have to other women who are wanting to set up a career or a business and their 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 mothers? Um, what advice would you have for them? I think um, do it, do it if do it if you can, if you believe in yourself. I think um, it's about trying to knock down those barriers. And I think you, you, you can do it all. Um, would I grow my business faster if I didn't have the children? Probably. So I think be realistic, um, and, and definitely be kind to yourself. And I think that's one thing I've learned over the years where I've kind of ended up run down because I'm trying to do too much, which is why now I very strictly only work four days a week. So I work hard you know, at home and at work, but I think however you can, you need to make sure that you have that time to yourself just, just to re-energize, recharge, um, and, and yes. just to treat yourself, even if it's just to walk around the park or, or meet a friend for lunch or whatever, you just have to invest back in you. And if you can make that happen and and do the rest, then um, then again, it's just about it's about the balance, isn't it? Um, like I say, from, I could take the business a lot further if but that would be a huge detriment to my children. So, you know, some opportunities I've had to perhaps go abroad with work, or whatever else, sometimes I have to um not take them or delegate them. I'm a, bit, I'm a bit of a control freak, so I'd like to do it all by myself. But um, yeah. <laughs> obviously, to grow the business, I've had to let go and, and trust people. And you know, and it's, it's just that's the thing. It's like the business was your idea. It's your baby. Yes, it is your baby, and and then letting go. Yeah. it's 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 hard. It is hard. It is very hard, and it's definitely about having the right people around you. Um, and and you know, I always generally now recruit on attitude rather than necessarily people's capabilities so you know if you've got the people around you at work to support you um that, that, that share your attitude and your values then the rest you can teach them that i wrote an article on that and i was like literally skill set comes right at the bottom to yep. me Agree, agree. Technical skills, technical skills can be taught at any point in time. A lot of it is how proactive you are, what your communication skills are like, you know, and and how enthusiastic you are. How how badly do you want this? Yeah. And if not, then you're not the right person. Yes. And that that literally does shine through, even if you are a pre-reg pharmacist or a newly qualified or even pharmacist manager. I've done God knows how many interviews, but I will literally spot it in a person within the first 30 seconds yeah yeah no I, to no I totally agree and I think I've learned the hard way because I haven't always applied that to recruiting um but but, but it's like anything isn't it? it's a never-ending journey and, and and now you know my eyes are wide open to that it, it makes all the difference and I've got great people around me you know in the office now and, and again as a mum that that help that helps me so if I you know if suddenly the, you know my children need me um and I need to um take time off whatever else it's, it's relying on that you've got people so that the business can carry on yeah so so yeah and, and not stop yeah um we see women as leaders in the healthcare profession do you feel like enough's being done for other females 
out there? And if not, what do you think needs to be done? I think kind of as a, I think it's, it's a little bit as I see community pharmacy as a whole at the minute is you've kind of got to prove yourself, I think, to a certain extent. So I think we need more women who will stand up, be confident um, and, and be seen as well. I think, and I think, and again, you know, and it might come down, I don't know how much further women it comes down to this juggling act of having children and feeling like they can't do that. So, so again, so for example, for me, um, you know, I can't always be elsewhere that I want to be, to be fit, to be visual as a leader, but therefore I use other, you know, other ways. So, you know, I'm heavily into social media, you know, and, and being kind of thought leaders. So I think it's about women themselves having the confidence in what they're doing, what they're saying and being seen. And if women have got those challenges with, with family life as well that there's always a way around and, and you know like you said at the beginning of this pod, I've never done podcasts before but obviously I'm now on it <laughs> and um, <laughs> you, I am a podcast virgin but you might have just started something new for me but I think it's about using and I think with the digital you know world now that's much more possible isn't it so I think it's about you know women making themselves heard seen in, in other ways if they can't always physically yeah. be where they need to be and, and having that voice and having that support definitely and as someone that has been working with pharmacists um for a couple of years now so you, you you're someone with an outside point of view yeah. what would your take be on what the current position of pharmacy uh that we're in um and um what in your opinion do you think needs to change I think um, I understand, you know, we talk to a lot of farms, I understand the challenges and I understand that that, that probably sits heavy on people's shoulders. Um, and, and it's always the balance also between the commercial world and healthcare. And ultimately, people are running their own businesses um, as well as wanting to provide good healthcare. That cuts and sometimes be obviously quite a big um ethical challenge but i think community pharmacy have got huge potential um again i think probably it, the nhs will probably lag behind recognizing what community pharmacy can offer so i think it's again about community pharmacy taking the lead um, and i think a classic example of that is is the commissioned services for, for flu um, yeah. you know, that was obviously took a few years for the nhs to recognize oh my god look at this the, the skill mix we've got here um what a difference they can make and how many vaccines were delivered through community pharmacy so i think i think for community pharmacists it's, it's about it's about having the energy it's about proving themselves upskilling themselves um, and and being united because i guess the problem um from the nhs in commissioning services i can imagine would be thinking if we can't commission a service that potentially we can only do regionally or, or only some pharmacists can do so i think i think it's a little bit more about um about working collectively so actually then oh, you're in a much stronger position to to get more services commissioned so um and just being and being smart so so for example like this year we've put into our vaccine trainings added value strep a training for us because we've got the clinical trainers to do it it takes a half an hour doesn't really cost us anything so we've not charged anything for it but hopefully it's upskilling pharmacists so we recognize also the restraints and you know constraints on pharmacists taking time out to get training to be able to upskill. It's, it's a bit of a vicious circle isn't it um, but it's investing in, in their skills and that time, but trying to be smart about that um, and, and then working collectively so that, again, it's, I think it's such an exciting time with what you can offer and really ahead of the times of many countries. Definitely. And, and I think that's where we as pharmacists need to let go of the past. 
Oh. And I hear so many people talk about as pharmacists, we used to get paid as this much an hour. We never used to have this much pressure. We never used to have this much stress from head office and vice versa. I'm like, that was the past. Literally, I qualified as a pharmacist and within the space of five years, what I stepped into is not the profession I'm doing now. You have to evolve. Literally, you have to evolve with it. And a lot of it is becoming commission service based. Yeah. You have to put that essentially. uh, I I said it it in an article and and an interview once that we have to start micromanaging our team and 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 take the fourth services are and let the dispensary staff deal with the dispensary side you you as pharmacists need to need to step forward step out of the dispensary meet your customers meet their needs yeah that's the way pharmacy is heading uh whether you like it or not it's not what it is 10 years ago it's not what it was five years ago and it's definitely not going to be like this in the next five years and i can guarantee in the next five years it is going to be all services literally and and hub and spoke will take over all the dispensing and things like that and robots galore absolutely <laughs> absolutely ai is taking over um and and it, and it is what it is so you either move with the time or you die with it well i think i think you're right and i, and I think it, it it's absolutely about embracing it and recognizing it and like you say you can't hold on to the past it's it's so far removed from that um and, and again hopefully as the pre-regs come through you know they're coming into this world as as you know we have a lot more pre-regs um on our vaccine courses now because it's almost like we're you know once you qualify you're just almost expected to do that now whereas again 20 years ago that would have been something unheard of so you know, time yeah. really has moved on, and it's about embracing it. And I guess, I guess, from an individual pharmacist point of view, they've got to ask themselves a question of, 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 I guess, where their passion is, what they want personally and professionally. Because actually, I do understand that perhaps um, some pharmacists, it just doesn't align to what what they want personally anymore. Yeah, I think what they stepped into the profession before. Um, it, it, it no longer meets that meet that needs in their head like what they wanted out of it yeah um and and that's where the alignment is is not correct and and it's it's stopping them from excelling their stores forward or even themselves they've switched themselves off from learning anything new yes exactly um, and, and that's like you know you said earlier i think that's where the, you know, you're going to end up dying with it because um you know if that's not what you want then it, it's you're not you're not going to survive um but it, well, we've seen so many we've seen so many articles with how many pharmacies are closing now and, exactly. and they're blaming government cutbacks and things like that i'm like that is that is part of it but it's not the sole reason the sole reason is the fact that you haven't adapted your needs to the community around you yeah yeah you have to adapt to what your community needs around you and show them what you can do and and and, and show your local mayor what you can do and and, and build your business forward from that and that's a real sort of kind of basic business understanding and that and that's where again you know like i say you know from my point of view i kind of see myself as a nurse before a businesswoman but it has to be a business and it, and it is that it's it's that you know alignment between a business and healthcare so you to um pharmacy at, because you want to be a healthcare professional and not necessarily have a business head on but, but they have to go 
hand, really. Um, yeah. And, and, it's, and I think it's a great position because I think the general public really trust pharmacists. So I think, you know, I think they're really winning over the trust of the general public. So ideal. They, they trust pharmacists. I, I feel a lot more work needs to be done um, with the public for them to actually understand the roles of what we actually play. And they can't expect medicines as at speed of a McDonald's bag. Yes. <laughs> um, to understand why they have to wait, you know, a couple of minutes because it's just not sticking a label on the box. There's far more to it than that. Yeah. And I think certain certain images that people have got to it need to be changed. And, and I think that's quite old fashioned, isn't it? Like you say, I think I think a bit like perhaps some pharmacists, you know, the general public are the same. And I think that will that will change over the years if they see that the changing role of the pharmacy and I think at the moment all the general public often get is through social media or the news just go to your pharmacist just go to your pharmacist just go to your pharmacist yeah. and it probably needs yeah. to go a bit deeper than that um at the moment it's just more sort of signposting isn't it signposting and um getting your medicines through the mail and vice versa yes. <laughs> Okay, okay, that's probably going to happen now with Amazon taking oh, over. Oh, that's know, fine. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amazon will literally take it and annihilate everything, <laughs> even pharmacy. <laughs> Why not order your sofa and and have your medication delivered at the same time too? Get your flu jab. Just get your neighbour to give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you said earlier on in the interview, um, nursing profession is very um, female heavy. Now, with it being female heavy, have you um, seen or heard about bullying, discrimination or even, again, sisterhood effect within the nursing profession? Um, Yes, I think probably in in any profession it's the case. I think... um... I think in the NHS, people, well, I guess my experience has been that people don't like to deal with conflict and it's about, and so quite often it's it's sort of just hiding things under the bag. I think um, I, I was bullied once by, um, uh, it was a male, but it was a consultant, but I very much felt that because I was a nurse, he was a doctor. Um, so, so again, I, you know, again, I just, I didn't go quietly. So I made, you know, I made an example of that. And obviously he um, went through a hearing for that. Um, so I think sometimes there is with sort of almost nurse doctor sometimes. Um, I mean, even I've been on the ward previously where some consultants might come around who, are, you know, who don't have the best bedside manner skills um yeah and when i was a ward sister we had sometimes when he would do his ward round nurses would be off sick change their you know and literally for fear of doing a round with this consultant and which which is shocking i know absolutely shocking um so probably less amongst nurses more i guess sort of perhaps the the professions and maybe some of that is also kind of old-fashioned sort of perceive, perceived kind of doctor is a god and the nurse is sort of the under- so i don't know if it's kind of more about that but um nurses are very much backbone uh, literally without nurses like you wouldn't be standing straight yeah no absolutely literally changed over literally backbone of the spine yeah. and without them nothing yeah yeah, no, absolutely. And I think I think that is changing over the years. And I think even in a GP practice, you know, we're seeing some nurse partners. And so so again, you know, the whole 
public perception, I think, is changing. And I think also nurses kind of standing up to doctors and, and being seen as more equal as well. I think that's, you know, I think when I um, when I first qualified as a nurse, we were back in the days of the old matron. And I remember I just qualified as a nurse. I sat in a patient's bed talking to a patient and this ward sister or matron walked past and said, is your bottom sterile nurse? <laughs> really angrily. <laughs> I was oh, my God. The patient's bed. <laughs> I was like... She scared me to death. Oh, I mean, like, <laughs> and you know, I remember you know, I was like 1990, and how we're changed now. And you know, I'm thinking, I'm a nurse. I'm sitting here talking to the patient, and you're talking about my bottom being sterile because I'm sat on the patient's sheet. <laughs> so I, I, oh, it's, I know. I think it's improved over the years. I think be, nurses used to be scared of the old kind of matron, and um, so I think people are taking individual responsibility more. Um, but undoubtedly, I'm sure there's a lot more whistleblowing that needs to happen. Um, then, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like I said, it, it's it's um, an element that happens in all professions, yeah. and and I'm just wary of the fact that blowing needs to be there, but I just don't want it to be done willy nilly. Yeah. It has to have a valid course. Yeah. Like, has is your you know uh, conduct and capability is is that there if that isn't there then there is probably reason as to why they are putting a little bit of pressure on you yeah. uh, and that's just like you have to meet certain standards and if you're not then okay what needs to be done and how do we help uh, improve upon your development uh, to get you to that standard that needs to be required for meeting our customers needs yeah. um so yeah I'm, I'm a bit I'm like, okay, we need to do more whistleblowing, but it has to be done with a valid reason and not just a case of, oh, I'm a female and, and, no. and I'm just getting treated incorrectly because I'm a female. That it, That's just bang out of order. It's a case of I'm a female and my conduct and capability has never been questioned. It's 110%. It's, you know, I'm the best of the best and I don't get why I'm being bullied. It's like I'm, I'm, prov I'm proving everything again and again and again. But I'm not excelling forward. What is going on here? So yeah, I, I understand that both sides both sides need to be done, and and I've I've voiced forward um, even to C and D that fine we're having meetings with leaders of women in healthcare and stuff like that. We're talking about it, but I think at time now enough talking. We need to actually have a bit of action. Start having a meeting with males and females. Yeah, to decide how to move forward on this now not just females because this change just doesn't involve females this change involves males there's males out there that are single parents that are going through the same things that women go through yet their needs are not met at any point compared to what a female would be so more work definitely needs to be done on on all sectors in regards with that uh yeah, no, absolutely. No, totally agree with you. And I think I think and that's the sort of society we're living in. What is a normal family? What you know, what, what are people's kind of needs personally aligned to their professional work and needs? Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say the future is for you and for ECG? Where where would you say you see yourself in five years? Um which is a standard very interview question, isn't it? Jane, where would you see yourself in five years? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bog standard. <laughs> I 
I just thought I'd throw it in there for cheesy terms. But what we can do now is, is that I, I love still having all my links to the NHS. I, I love keeping that. I love because I love being part of the NHS, but not employed by them. Um, so, so I, you know, I love the work that we do with them um, and being able to do that. Um, equally, a real passion for community pharmacy. So, I think, I think for us, the community pharmacy um, chapter started with vaccinations, but we've got so much more to offer in terms of clinical. Um, well both clinical skills and supporting pharmacists through clinical skills but also from a business point of view just supporting them with with services being kind of a bit of a one-stop shop for them so I think I think I I feel really um passionate and happy about the fact that the impact we've had on vaccination training over the years and I would like to see the same with new services so I would like to kind of be look back in five years time and think wow our trainers had a massive impact on developing the services for xyz you know whether it's rapid diagnostics um whether it's kind of additional travel house you know so I think I think from my point of view it's really seeing the journey because if I look back in the last 10 years seeing the journey that community pharmacy have made with all the from flu to travel vaccines and the big part we've played in that and what I love is that a lot of our customers in pharmacy use me and use us as a bit of a benchmark with the NHS so again it's 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 I think kind of my nursing background and the, and the clinical team we've got here is quite powerful in the pharmacy world because it's, it's just really aligns you know to kind of one healthcare um thought process really so so uh, yeah I continue to love that and just want to see community pharmacy move forward um and I want you I want the UK to be a real a real kind of leader in that and and to reflect that and um certainly us as ECG, we're exploring the potentials of, of working internationally, um, and, and I very much see kind of the UK as a real baby, a real kind of showpiece of of what community pharmacy yeah. is, and, and I'm proud of that. Proud of what we do oh. in the country, and I think it's got uh, got a lot further to go. Definitely, definitely, and, and I, it'll be very exciting to see. Definitely, um, with ECG working internationally and, and getting more commission services uh, for pharmacies and helping develop the profession even further to what it should be essentially and moving to the needs of what the customer needs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Jane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, I've had a right laugh. <laughs> 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 and um, uh, yeah I uh, look forward to um, seeing the journey as well lovely likewise so keep up the brilliant work well, thank you thank you and you you as well um, enjoy the rest of your day sunny day alright thank you alright then thank you bye bye, bye.